take your Bibles and turn with me to Zephaniah chapter 3. You say, preacher, where's Zephaniah? Well, it's right before Haggai. It's right after Habakkuk. You say, where's Haggai? Where's Habakkuk? Look to in the front of your book. There's a thing in there. I'll tell you what page it's on. Amen. Zephaniah chapter 3. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. I'm glad Mary let John come tonight. So why are you always picking on John? Well, he just needs to be picked on. Amen. <laughs> Zephaniah chapter 3. We're just going to begin reading in verse 14 and read down through verse 20. Single daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy. The King of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not, and unto Zion, let not thine hands be slack. The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly. Who are of thee to whom the reproach of it was a burden? Behold, at, at that time I will, do undo, I will undo all that afflict thee, and I will save her that halteth, and gather her that was driven out, and I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. At that time I will bring you again, even into the time that I gather you, for I will make you a name and a praise among all people of the earth. When I turn back your captivity before you, or before your eyes, saith the Lord. With, if you would look with me again at verse 17. It says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save thee. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, The Lord is Mighty. And let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening asking, Lord, that you would just meet with us in a special way. Lord, I think that many times we forget how mighty our God is. Sometimes I think, Lord, we fail to remember that there's no one like thee. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would just encourage us and strengthen us, Lord, to just remind us in a very simple way that we have a mighty God. Lord, I see so many Christians who are downtrodden. I see so many who are defeated. And there's no need of that because we have a mighty God. Lord, there may be some here tonight that don't know Jesus Christ their Savior. Lord, you are a mighty God that can save to the uttermost. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that work in hearts and lives. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for your mercies and goodness to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. If you go back through in chapter 1 and 2 and even the first part of chapter 3, what you're going to find is really you'll see a prophecy that is linked to the tribulation period that's spoken of in Revelations. As you look at that, you'll see how that God works and it describes the judgment of the Lord on the wicked and the unbelieving mankind. You know, if we go, we're living in a day and time when a lot of people don't stop and think about, hey, listen, this thing's not going to last forever. 
And the Lord's bringing it down to a close. And I believe that we're getting very close to the return of the Lord. And so many times people just want to push that aside and not think about that. They don't want to think about the wrath to come. They don't want to think about the judgment of God to come. They don't want to think about uh, how mighty God is. And they want to put him out of their mind. But it's going to be a terrible time. It's, going, it's coming sooner than most people even realize. I think even as Christians today, I think we got Christians who are basically asleep. I think they're slumbering and sleeping and not paying attention to the Word of God and the, and the, the signs of the times. And I don't think we're paying attention to the, the wooing of God and the Holy Spirit of God working in our hearts and lives and, and showing us that His return is near. Man will be brought into judgment in the wrath of God, though. This is brought upon man by rejecting Jesus Christ as Savior and for the living wicked lives. In verse 8 of that same chapter, that, uh, chapter 3 there, it says, Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I raise up the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assembly the, assemble the kingdoms, to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. You see, that's a lot different type of God than what a lot of people think about. They don't, they, many, many people today, they just want to think about a God who is a, a big grandpa sitting up in heaven with, uh, in a rocking chair with milk and cookies and a sponge just to sop up your sin and things of that nature. That's not God. That's man's idea of God. You realize that, hey, listen, the... Uh, but God with so much love that He sent His Son into the world to die for you and me, that love is also balanced out because He's a righteous God. He's a holy God. That, that, that love is balanced out with the wrath and the judgment of God. You go out here to your car and you say, Preacher, don't get negative. Well, you, know, you, know, you need to realize, that, hey, listen, there's, there's some truth that needs to be spoken. And there's some things that we need to look at. You go out here and cut the negative post off the battery of your car. That thing's not going to start. You can have all the positive you want. You can put three or four more uh, cables on that positive line and run it down to the starter. But if, it's, if you've cut that negative post off that battery, it's not going to start. It has to have that balance there. And we serve a righteous God, a holy God that is balanced. And so there is a judgment that's coming. A lot of times in what we don't understand, a lot of people think that it's only for, if you, the judgment of God, the tribulation period is only for the, the wicked. But if you really study out prophecy the way you're supposed to study out prophecy, you'll find that really tribulation is for the Jews. It's to bring the Jews back to God. But during that time, it is a time of judgment that God will pour out upon all believing, unbelieving man. His wrath and His judgment upon man. And we see this here in, the, in, this, in this prophecy, uh, 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 the first part of, of these chapters here uh, in this book here as, as we're looking at it. And, and realize that the lost and the wicked run from the thing. If you get in Revelation, you, you see that they even try to hide and yet they can't hide from God. You can't hide from God. You might run, but you can't hide. The fact is, is that many today are running. There's, there's Christians who are running from God. My friend, can I tell you something? If you're running from God tonight, you can't win. If you think that you can hide your sin, forget it. He knows everything about it. If you think that you can get away with it, forget it. 
You can run, but you can't hide from God. He has the all-seeing eye and He knows all things. But it's a fearful thing and a terrible day that's coming uh, for the lost uh, and, and Christ, uh, this Christ-rejecting world. In fact, we, if you go over to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, it says, It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I think that'd make a great message, don't you? Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about, some don't. <clears throat> but the fact is, it is a fearful thing. To think about winding up in the hands of an almighty God who knows all things, that who is powerful. You see, the Lord's made it possible, though, to escape this terrible time of tribulation, this terrible time of wrath and judgment, and to be able to experience His love and His joy and His blessings on their lives. He made it possible that if you would turn from, from your wicked ways, if you would turn unto the Lord Jesus Christ, if you would repent of your sin, if you would ask Him to come into your heart and life and be your Lord and Savior, He said that He would save you and He would give you eternal life. That is the only hope that anybody has. And, and tonight you may be sitting here and you may think, well, you know, I'll try to be a good person. My friend, can I tell you, you can't be good enough. He right. said, well, preacher, I, I hit the lottery. I'll put a bunch of money in the plate. I'll pass the plate first and then I'll tell you that it ain't going to help you. <laughs> but the fact is, is that you can't buy your way into heaven. Well, preacher, I'll do all kinds of good works and I'll help this person, that person. It won't get you to heaven. Well, preacher, I'll get baptized. It won't get you to heaven. It's only through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is the only way. Everything else is, is just man's way and man trying to get to heaven his own way. By receiving Jesus as our Savior, we will have an eternal life. It's the only way to escape the judgment to come. And then you move on over here and from verse 9 in chapter 3 to the end of the, of the book is a picture of the millennial reign. That's a thousand year period of time when Jesus Christ comes back. Satan has been bound. He's been cast into the bottomless pit. He's been bound. It's been sealed. And he's been cast into the, the at bottomless pit for a thousand years. And during that thousand year period is what we call the millennial reign of Christ when Jesus Christ comes back upon this earth and rules and reigns for a, excuse me, for a thousand years. Those of us who know Christ as our Savior will come back with him and we'll be in part of that ruling and reigning with him. And the fact is, is that that's a, that's a, a, a wonderful time, but that's not, that's not all. There's going to be coming a time when Satan will be loose for a little while, and he will go out and he'll gather the people as the sands of the sea, the Bible says, to come up against God. But during that millennial reign, uh, Jesus Christ will rule with a rod of iron, the Bible says. But I want to, this, this, this is really a prophetic book, but I want to use verse 17 in an application tonight. I wanted to give you that. I think it's good to look at things in their, their context, in their setting, in their, in their, in their interpretation. But I, I, I think it, there you, as long as you t say what you're doing, I don't think it's wrong to come back and say, I want to use this in an application because I think it, this is an applicable verse in another way. So look at verse 17 again. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. It's not, you know, the, the thing of it is that I want you to understand here. It's talking about how mighty God is in the tribulation period. 
in the millennial reign, but can I say right now, He's just as mighty today. He's just as mighty as He's always been and always will be. There is no difference in our Lord. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says. He is a mighty God. The Lord is, God is mighty. In Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 18 says, Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands and recompensest the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. And then he says, The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts, is His name. He's a mighty God. He's a very mighty God. And I think what's happened today that we have, we have listened to the world and we have downplayed how mighty our God really is. Uh, Hunter and I, and, and we'll even get Janine to watch it sometimes, that uh, Tim the Tool, Tool Time or Tool Time or whatever it is. And uh, the thing that he always wants to do, he's always wanting to make something more powerful. And he's always, you know, he gets his wife's vacuum cleaner and, and he, he changes the motor in and he, he revs that thing up. And, of course, it, there's always chaos with what he does. He worked on, the, on the, the garbage disposal and he put a bigger motor in it. And, man, I tell you what, it just ate up everything and threw everything through the house. He's always messing up, but he's always wanting more power. More power in his car, more power in this, more power in that. Can I tell you something? Most of us as men, we're the same way. We want a little more power. Boy, if we had a little more power in that car, we had a little more power in this. Boy, I need a, a better drill that has a little more power that I could really get through that stuff a little bit faster. We want a little more power all the time. Can I tell you something? There's one that you can add no power to him because they're so mighty, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God, and, and all that he does is, is beyond our comprehension because he is such a, a mighty God. We can look for more power, but you'll never find anybody more mightier than, than the Lord himself. We'll never be able to, to see anyone that isn't greater than he is. Job says in Job chapter 36, verse 5, he says, Behold, God is mighty and despises not any. He is mighty in strength and in wisdom. This God whom I preach to you tonight, he's a mighty God. But here's what I think. I think many times we have failed to realize how mighty our God is. The world wants you to think that God is not mighty. The world wants to think that they can control God. The world wants to think that, that they can downplay who God is and everything's going to work their way in their direction. But can I tell you something? They can't stop a tornado, can they? There's a hurricane right now that's brewing. It's the first one of the year. They can't stop it. But you know what that is? That's nothing more than just a little puff of the breath of God. <laughs> He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. The mudslides and the rains and, and all that takes place, the earthquakes, they can't stop it, can they? And that's nothing more than God flipping the earth a little bit with His finger <coughs> and creating havoc. We serve a mighty God. We serve a God that's beyond our comprehension of how mighty and how, how wonderful He is in so many different ways. He's a mighty God. He does great and mighty works. He's, he's all power. There's nothing too great for our, our mighty God. Luke chapter 1 verse 37 says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. We're sitting here tonight sometimes in a service and we're thinking about, I've got this problem. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't know how to take care of this. And We forget that we serve a mighty God. Amen. They says nothing is impossible. Yeah, but preacher, no, he said nothing is impossible 
But boy, I've seen this happen. And I, boy, I just don't know. We serve a mighty God that nothing is impossible. Some of us are sitting here, maybe tonight you may have some children that's away from the Lord. It just seems like they're, not, they're just not, not coming back to the Lord. Can I tell you something? There's nothing impossible for God. If you'll seek the Lord, if you'll stay on your face, if you'll do what He wants, God can bring them back. There may be some sitting here tonight. You say, well, preacher, what about the person that's got the cancer? That's, that's, they've given them uh, X amount of time to die. Well, can I tell you something tonight? God's going to cure it. One way or another. One way or another. He's a mighty God. One day we'll get a new body. I got one ordered uh, with uh, hair on it. <clears throat> and uh, actually there's not going to be hair in heaven. Do you know that? Do you know that, Eddie? Not going to be hair in heaven. That's, that's dead cells. There's nothing dead in heaven. And so, and the Bible says we'll be forever, no more parting over there, and we'll be forever shining, amen? So, we're all going to be bald over there, so I'm just getting a head start on you, amen? <laughs> the fact is, is that we serve a mighty God, and I think that we sometimes fail to stop and realize when we're going through the agony, when we're going through the difficulties, when we're going through the struggles, when we're going through the doubts, when we're going through the fears, we fail to stop and think about how mighty our God is. There's the unseen hand of God that moves and works where man cannot even see. He provides when man cannot even provide. The psalmist said in Psalm 68, 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. He said He loads us with benefits. He didn't say He just barely gives you something. He said He daily loadeth us with benefits. He's able to do all great and mighty things. He sees the unseeable. He hears the unspeakable. He does the unimaginable. He's a mighty God. There is no one that can compare. There's nothing that can compare. There's no place that can compare. There's nothing that is as mighty as our God. And yet we act as though our God is some little weakling sitting over in a corner. My friend, we serve a mighty God. He's a mighty God that is present. Look there in verse 17. It says, The Lord thy God, notice what it says, in the midst of thee. In the midst of thee. You don't have to go and wonder where he's at. He says he's in the midst of us. You don't have to go looking for him or, or wonder if he's on vacation or detained somewhere else. He's there at all times in, in the life of the born-again Christian. In fact, he tells us over in Hebrews 13, 5, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He said, I'm always going to be there. You know, sometimes uh, uh, you, you wonder, you, you, you're trying to get a hold of somebody, you call, you're calling this company on the phone, you've got to get something settled. Maybe it's insurance, maybe it's something else. You call and they say, Die, push one if you want in English. Okay. Or push two if you want in Spanish. Okay. I don't know Spanish, so I'll take English. And it says, you are number 53 in the quarry. Please hold. That's when I wish I knew Spanish. <laughs> you know what? There's never a detaining. You don't have to wonder, is he here? If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is... In you. 
what you have of God and you're not your own. He's always there. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Well, preacher, what if I do this or I do that? He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Now, we may move away from him in some respect, but he's still there. You know, it, it, many times we don't realize that, hey, listen, the Lord said, he said, I'm going to be there with you. He said, you may not be doing right, but I'm going to be there because I'm going to work in your heart. I'm going to try to draw you back to me. Hey, preacher, how do you know that he's there? If you, could I say, if you look with the eyes of your Holy Spirit that dwells in you, you'll see his footprints all around you. You'll see his fingerprints all over you. Why? Because he's there and he, he cares for you. Our problem is, is that our eyesight many times is, is covered by this world and we're not looking through the Word of God and the Spirit of God and we don't see the Lord and we don't realize that he's there, there and we become numb to the presence of God because we've not been walking with him and we've not been fellowshipping with him and we've not been talking with him and we've not been in his Word and we've not been doing what he wants us to do so we think that he's somewhere off, way off, but he's right there the whole time. Preacher, how can he be there in everybody's life that knows him as Savior? He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. He's not made like you and I. He's not like man. He's a mighty God that cares for you and I. And he's always present there in our hearts and lives. In the, the psalm, Psalm 68, 19, it says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with those benefits. He has to be there daily. Daily. He's there at all times to take care of us, those footprints. He's a beacon in, our, in the darkest of our nights to guide the way. He's a road sign to direct the way in our lives. He's a wind that fills our sails to move us, uh, you and I, closer to himself. He's a mighty God in the midst of thee. And because he's ever near, he knows our every care. He knows our every need. And he's a mighty God that's able to save. Look there. 17 again. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. You see, we live in a day and time when, and I, I deal with people at, at times that say, I can't get saved. That's not what the Bible says. That's right. Well, preacher, I, I, you just don't know how far I've went. Don't have to know how far you went. He said he will save. He said, I will no wise cast anyone out. He said that he would that all come unto repentance. He will save if we'll come to him. But preacher, you don't understand my life has been a mess. My life has been a, a disaster. But you don't understand how mighty he is. You don't understand how powerful the blood of Jesus Christ is. You don't understand how powerful that, that it was that he went to the cross and he died and shed his blood for you and I on that cross and was laid in that tomb. And on the third day, he rose out of that tomb. He came back alive. Why could he do that? Because he's a mighty God that can save. And because he lives, we can live also. He's a mighty God that saves and, and, and lifts us up out of that miry clay and, and sets our feet on that, on that solid rock there. doesn't matter... The life that you've lived, he's able to save. Hebrews 7.25 says, Wherefore he is able to also to save them to the uttermost that come to, to unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth and to make intercession for them. He'll lift you up, as I said, out of that miry clay that you're sinking in. All around us, people are sinking in that miry clay. 
I don't know if you've ever been out in some heavy mud, maybe in a slough or someplace. I've been in places that working and, and have on boots and, and literally try to, to pull my foot and boot up like that and my foot comes out of the boot because that, that suction on that mud and that, that clay, that mud and everything holding you. And, and sometimes I've, I remember, in fact, it was over here at uh, Van Meter. I went over there and I was fishing. I was by myself. And I was walking through those paths and I was trying to flip uh, 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 a lure underneath a tree. I could actually out there, I could see some bass laying out there. And I thought, boy, if I could just get over here, they can't see me very well. I could flip that over there. And I got right over to the edge and there was a root there. And I was kind of down the root and the root gave way. And so down I went. And right where I went, it was muddy and I kept sinking deeper. And deeper and deeper. And all I could think of, Hunter's not going to know where to find me. And Janine's going to be mad because I'm late for supper. <laughs> and I'm going to be stuck here. And that gate down there closes <laughs> when the sun goes down. <laughs> and I was pulling, literally grabbing hold of my britches and my leg and pulling my, my leg. And, of course, I had on lace-up boots, so, so it didn't matter. They were waterproof boots, but it really didn't matter because I was this deep. And I liked that I got all that mud and that water. There's people who are in this world who are sinking like that, but it's sin. And they need Jesus Christ. And he's so mighty that he can reach down and he can pull you out of the worst situation that there ever was. And he can save your soul. The psalmist says in Psalms 40, verse 1 and 2, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of, a miry, out of the miry clay, and set my feet on a rock and established my goings. Man, that's good stuff. Boy, I'll tell you what, Kenny, that's good stuff when you think about it. He pulls you out of that miry clay, sets you on that solid rock, and man, he, not only does he set you on the solid rock, say, well, you go do what you want. No, he says he establishes your goings. You read on, he puts a new song in your heart. It's a song of praise unto the Lord for his goodness and his mercy and what he's done for us and how that he saved us because of his mighty power and all the, the blessings that he's willing to bestow upon us because we trust him as our Savior. Boy, I'll tell you what, it don't get any better than that. It don't get much better than that when you think about what you've been saved from and what he saved you to. How he established your goings. How could he do that, preacher? He's a mighty God. And nobody else can do that. It's a great salvation that we have through Jesus Christ, our, our mighty Lord. But here's the sad fact. Sitting even maybe here tonight, there's some that really don't think about that great salvation. And maybe just living any old way. But the Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? They're in Hebrews and he talks about that. And you say, well, preacher, that was written to the lost. No, he, that was written to the saved. 
And he's saying, how shall we neglect or how shall we escape if we neglect? Otherwise, treat what we have as a Christian. Treat what this mighty God has given us through salvation. And we treat it like dirt or we walk upon it like it's a, 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 a dirty old rag or something that has no meaning. But my friend, he said, hey, listen. He said, don't live like that. He said, live for a mighty God. Serve a mighty God. Put him first in your life. Amen. We have a mighty God has saved our souls. And my friend, understand that he'll rejoice over you as you receive him as your Savior. Lost there, he says, uh, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. But then he says, he will rejoice over thee with joy. When those girls got saved that we baptized this morning, all of heaven rejoiced. Amen. All of heaven rejoiced. The Bible says over one sinner that repenteth. Over one. All of heaven rejoices. Over just one person receiving Christ as their Savior. I praise the Lord for the souls being saved right, lately and, and what God's doing in hearts and lives and, and seeing the mighty hand of God work. It's a mighty hand of God. It's not this preacher. It's not anybody else. It's God and He's a mighty God. He saves souls. He changes lives. <coughs> He'll also fill your heart with real joy. Joy that you have never had before. He's mighty to help us in the this battle that we face as a Christian. You know, a lot of times people think once they get saved that the, oh, no problems anymore. No, my friend, that's just when they really start. Because Satan wants to stop you. He can't get your soul anymore, so he wants to ruin your life. He wants to ruin your testimony. He wants to stop you from serving God. He wants to stop you from living for a mighty God. He wants to stop you from sharing Jesus Christ with others. He wants to magnify himself. He don't want you magnifying the Lord. And can I tell you something? Every Christian in this room, you can't live the Christian life. You've got to let Jesus Christ live it through you. Lifting him up. Allowing him to do what he wants to do. That's why we need to surrender our lives unto the Lord. That's why we need to surrender every part of us unto him. Not just a little part, but every part of us to follow him, to follow the word of God. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Those strongholds in your life, those, those habits, those those struggles, those things that, that get you off track. Hey, listen, there is a is some mighty tools from a mighty God to help you. you. Say, preacher, what is it? I need those tools. One of them is prayer. We are probably the weakest praying bunch of, of people that's walked the face of the earth. Spending so little time in prayer seeking God as we should. In our day and time, I've, I've seen surveys and they went and people and, and, and got surveys. And the average Christian, the last time, this has been a, a, a couple years ago, the average Christian spends less than three minutes a day in prayer. You say, well, preacher, I'm from the South. I can't even get hello out that fast. But what I'm saying is, is that we have come to a place in our day and time where Satan's win the battle because we're not using the tools of God.
prayer is a mighty tool that each of us need. It's a tool that we need each and every day, whether things are going good or whether things are going bad. Whether you're in need or whether you're not. We should be spending time walking with God. What type of relationship would I have with my wife if I never talked to her except for maybe three minutes a day? She says, she might enjoy it, preacher. I don't know. <clears throat> no, it wouldn't be a very good relationship. Or if the only time that I spoke to her is, what are we eating? The thing of it is, is that we need to take time to use that tool. What's another tool, preacher? The Holy Spirit of God that dwells within you. God has given you a beacon in your heart and life as a Christian that shines a light to guide you, that deals with your heart, that deals with your conscience, that deals with your spirit, that deals with your soul, to guide you, to direct you, that says, no, it's not right, this is what you need to do, to woo you, to direct you, to guide you. But so many times we don't even pay attention to the Spirit of God. And on a daily basis, we ought to uh, seek the Lord to guide us and direct us. And Holy Spirit, would you show me today? Would you guide me today into a walk after my Lord? Would you? And be sensitive to the leadership of the Lord as he works in, in your heart, in your life. You're not out here just doing your own thing. He's within you trying to do what God wants you to do. It's one of the greatest tools that we have from a mighty God. Because you know what it is? It is the mighty God that dwells within you. What's another one, preacher? Most of you are holding it on your lap. The mighty word of God. Our problem is, is that we take this book and we read it like it's a history book. It's not just a history book, folks. It's a living book. It's a living book. And oh, how we need to put it in our hearts and lives. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalms 119.11. It's a light into our path. It's to direct us. It's to guide us. It's to woo our hearts, to show us the direction of God. It's a mighty tool. When things come our way, it is a guide. It, gives, it answers the questions. It is a protector. It is a sword. In battle. When Satan come to Jesus Christ, every single time Jesus Christ quoted the Word of God, every single time, I think that's a pretty good sign that that's what we ought to be doing. <coughs> he quoted the Scripture every time, rebuked Satan, and finally told him to get behind him. To leave him. And Satan had to leave because the word of God was too powerful. It is mighty. It's mighty. And yet it sits on our tables all week long and we seldom pick it up. Before we go to church, we got to dust the, 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 the dust off of it and, and, and carry it into church like we're really proud of it. But many times we don't even open it through the week. And sometimes we do this. Well, I got to read my Bible today. Ooh, I can't pronounce those names. Man, that chapter's long. 
Oh, there we are. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Have my Bible reading for the day. Well, what'd you get out of it? Say, preacher, people don't do that. Yes, they do. Most Christians don't read it to find out more about their Lord and Savior and to find direction for their life. They read it because they know they're supposed to read it. But this book is alive. It's mighty. It's powerful. One day there was a preacher standing out on, the, on a street corner and his hat was down on the ground. And he's walking around. He said, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. He said, man, let's go over and see what this crazy preacher's doing. And he's walking around that hat saying, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. And finally somebody said, what's alive? He picked up his hat, put it on his head, picked up the Bible that was underneath it. He said, the Word of God. One day every one of us will give an account according to the Word of God. My friend, it's a book that's alive. Preacher, we live in 2023. You realize how old that book is? That's right. But also realize that it's not outdated. It's very much up to date. It's absolutely what every one of us needs. It's a mighty tool from a mighty God for you and me that we might do the battles, that we might live for the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might magnify Him and put Him first in our lives. We can't live this life of our own. We must follow the Lord. Then lastly, our mighty God desires to show His great love for us. Look at it in verse 17 again. The Lord thy God is mighty in the midst. Or our God, or let me say it again. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. But notice this. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Our Lord rejoices in those who live for him. Over and over again, we can see the love of the Lord that extends to our lives if we'll but live for him and follow him and obey his word. The love of God. Everyone in here knows John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the love of God from a mighty God. That is some mighty love. I'm going to be honest with you. I've got, I've got four children, nine grandchildren. But if it come down to me giving one of their lives for your life, and I'm not being crude or rude, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do that. If it come down to me giving my life for you, that's different. But I could not give one of my children or my grandchildren as a sacrificial substitute for you, especially if you're a wicked person. But because the love of God is so mighty and so great, He gave His Son. It's love beyond man's comprehension. Man's love is like this. If you love me, I'll love you. If you do me right, I'll do you right. But when things begin to fall apart in your life, guess what? 
you can't find them. They're gone. That's not love. They're just wanting somebody to help them all the time. And what is needed in our lives is we need to, to realize the love of a mighty God. His love is mighty. It's a love unlike any other. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says, But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. It's a mighty love. Ephesians 5 verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ. Now notice this. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Even when you and I were in sin, even in, when you and I didn't want anything to do with God, even when you and I were cursing God maybe, using God's name in vain, Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a mighty God. And that's a mighty love. I could go on tonight with some more about how mighty and great our God is. I don't know what it was this week as I was thinking about Sunday night. I, a thought came, our people need to stop and think about how mighty God is. And I just kind of passed it off. Later on as I was getting ready to go home, I was walking out of the truck and it's like, our people need to know how mighty God is. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you'll face tomorrow. I don't know what I'll face tomorrow. I don't know what's down the road for, for this country 10 days, 2 years, whatever. But what I do know is that I have a mighty God that can take care of it all. He has this. He has this. It's about time God's people begin to lift up our mighty God, to worship Him, to follow Him, to obey Him, to magnify Him, because He's a mighty God. Let's bow. Father, I thank You for loving us. Thank You for the blessed hope that we have in Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, may we never forget. May we always understand. May it always come to our mind how mighty you are. Lord, I pray that you'd be with each person here. There may be someone here tonight, I don't know, that does not know Jesus Christ their Savior. If they was to die today, they do not know they'd go to heaven. Lord, I pray that they'd come. Lord, in the invitation, let us take a Bible and show them how they can receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because the love of God is mighty. Because the saving power of God is mighty. It doesn't matter what the person's done in their life. It doesn't matter what has happened. Lord, you're able and willing to save that you'll not cast them out. Have your will and way, Lord, in this invitation. May each one of us as Christians, Lord, remind ourselves, even in the difficulties of time, Lord, that we have a mighty God. And he's given us mighty tools to use to stand for him, to live for him, to serve him. And Lord, when we do that, then our mighty God stands with us. Have your will way in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight?